This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dan Kopp, and we're going to talk about how he helps leaders lead like a buffalo. Before we begin, I'll remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster, YouTuber, or content creator, and you want to create that tactical content that actually delivers, head over to nightly.production to find out how we can help you create that content, but also make it deliver. Again, that's nightly.productions. Dan, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I am super excited about it. Anytime we can get another veteran on the show, it always ends up being a fun conversation. And I want to make sure that I give the audience just a little bit of your background, where obviously I mentioned the military and, of course, the proper branch. You're in the Army. There is no other branch that matters, right? So you're in the Army. I wasn't aware of any other branches that were real. Precisely. That's all that matters right there. So you're in the Army. You really started your journey there, um, but also you've grown it beyond that, where you've you've done a lot of amazing things. You've served in the military for over nine years. You've done consulting, coaching. I mean, you've really focused on um, that executive mentorship, executive coaching, situational leadership, uh, really focused on that interpersonal relationship and how all that applies into what a true leader looks like. Beyond that, you have a new book. That is called The Power of Me Leadership, Leadership Tenets, Nine Leadership Tenets for Every Leader. We're going to dive into all that. We're going to dissect this role of how you went from being in the Army all the way to now creating leadership tenets that every leader needs to know. Before we dive into how you're accomplishing all these things, tell us, what's a fun fact that we might not know about you? Well, let's see. My wife and I have been married 33 years, and we've lived in 15 different places in those 33 years. So I don't know if that's fun, but it's definitely unique, and most people are surprised at that. But I'm just now picking up. They're surprised about the fact that Corey stuck with me this long versus the number of places we've lived. So 15 places in 33 years. Now, have those all been like across the United States, in the country, out of the country? What's Um, the most fun spot you've lived? Oh, man, probably the Republic of Panama was the best place because the job I had was terrible. (laughs) When I was stationed in Panama, the best job I had was at the tail end and we had weekends off. So I was at the beach every weekend for the last 16 months I was there. It was awful, awful. Did you have like the frozen fruity drink, the umbrella and all that good stuff? Well, what happens on the beach in Panama stays on the beach in Panama. I'm just saying. Smart man, smart man, smart man. Good answer. (laughs) And so obviously that's fun. I mean, you have worldwide experience, worldwide really focuses on the situational piece, right? You've had some amazing situations that you've been through, dealt with. I want to kind of go all the way back to maybe that first position, that first moment you realized leadership was something that you were interested in, something you want to expand upon, but also where you were in that role. Tell us about that position. What did you learn? What did you love about it? Well, 
You know, I'm looking back and what I've realized in the last couple of years, especially as I was writing the book, we all encounter situations that are formative in nature and rarely recognize them for what they are. You know, we've all heard what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type of thing. But that's usually in hindsight that people think those things through. So when I started really looking at who I am and more importantly, why I am that person, I realized the formative nature of all the different experiences I've had since I was in high school and on. And I really think despite the fact that I was on the fast track for promotion as an enlisted military police officer, I was a corporal within two years of enlisting. And then I made, I was a sergeant within three years. So that was fun, but I really don't think leadership clicked with me until I took my first master's degree class for educational leadership. And I got the bigger picture of what leadership was. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is the first class I've ever taken that resonated with me. Every other class I'd taken to that point were just, in essence, hoops to jump through to get a degree. That one class, that first night resonated with me and I haven't looked back. I love that because it's funny. In the military, it's one of those, we are leaders in our own capacity, but you don't necessarily correlate that, right? It's just part of the job. You don't think I'm yeah, a leader, exactly. but you are essentially, right? Right. You're not at all thinking about the things that are occurring on a day-to-day basis when you're doing your job mired in day-to-day task, leadership, you know, some type of war zone, whatever. You're just, you're existing and doing and taking care of your people. But looking back, that's very formative. It really is. And it's interesting. Uh, I've talked to several veterans and it's even something that I've heard and I've stolen and recoined, taking lessons from the battlefield to the boardroom and moving in that transition piece. I love the phrasing, but that's not an easy transition for a lot of us. Can you tell us what that was like for you as you went from the military where everything's essentially be here, do this, do that, don't do this, very clear. You have the uniform as you transition out. And you became more of this leader. You started identifying these different pieces. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that went for you? You know, it's easy to think that people coming out of the military are autocratic in nature. And I've had that thrown in my face before that, oh, you're just going to be autocratic. And that is far from the truth personally. And I did not run into a lot of autocratic leadership while in the army. Having said that, there is a time and a place for autocratic leadership, whether it's in a war zone or you've got an emergency in your your civilian role, there's time for autocratic leadership. So varied approach to leadership is what I've subscribed to. And the transition, I remember one of the, didn't affect me at the time, but looking back, I realized the struggle I had existing in the military where orders were given, you know, appropriately so, not autocratic in nature, but, you know, a directive was given and those to whom it was given followed it. Then fast forward, oh, how many years? Five, six years, and I'm all of a sudden teaching, and I've got high school students in front of me who didn't react 100% of the time when I said something. It frustrated me until I actually thought it through, like, what's going on? All right, I'm used to this environment over here, and now I've got a new environment. So that is definitely something that I found challenging. But because I had that personal growth, I actually had a public affairs officer who was in the reserves working for me when I was a high school principal. And he did a couple deployments while we worked together. 
And literally in a war zone one month and then the following month he was back in the classroom. I had to work with him like, all right, this is a different environment. What worked a month ago doesn't work now. You're hitting a brick wall here because of these things. You're not broken. The kids aren't broken. You're not only coming out of a war zone, but you're transitioning from a, a situation in which orders were given and, and then received and enacted into a spot where kids challenge you daily. So that I think that when I verbalized that, I really saw that that affected him and he realized what was going on versus he was thinking he lost the teaching ability that he had prior to. So I also appreciate what you said from um, transitioning into the boardroom. I don't remember how you said it, but I, I realized in the last 10 years that all the skills that veterans have coming out, even infantry, it's very easy to think, all right, you know, here's your gun, go point it that way and shoot is the concept, but there's so much more to, to that outside of what I just described team leading, team building, communication, proactive thinking, problem solving, et cetera. And that could be said for every job in the military where there's so many transferable skills to the civilian world. And it's just a matter of qualifying what yours are. A resume shouldn't say, I was an infantryman here, 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 and here. It should say, these are the skills I acquired. Oh, I happen to be serving in these locales when I acquired them. Yeah. And it's really interesting that transitional I guess, how would you say that? The articulation of those skill sets, right? Where yeah. I was I was an infantryman. I was a PL that went to Afghanistan. I had a lot of soldiers who were 18, 19. And when we came back, I had already started businesses. So I was already in that world since I was I was a police officer first, then went into the military, did it totally backwards, but already had started other things where I had guidance attached to what I wanted to do. And it was a difficult transition for me because I was from Afghanistan to my sofa five days which is incredible to think how quick that happens to de-escalate the mindset, de-escalate that high tension. But a lot of veterans struggle with that. A lot of veterans don't have that guiding light of, I'm going to drive forward this way. One thing that you did is you moved into teaching. You became a teacher. You wanted to share your knowledge attached to different things. What what pushed you into wanting to give back to, I mean, you're in the high school arena. You moved up your principal, district administrator, your different capacities of giving back into the youth. What drove you that direction? You know, it was honestly, I got into education by chance. It just happened to be there was a university near where my wife and I lived that had things of interest to me and one of which happened to be education. So I got into it, literally thought I was going to be an educator the rest of my life and in the classroom until the first year I was teaching or the second year I was teaching, I took that first class for principal licensure and I couldn't wait to become a principal. And this is going to sound odd, perhaps, but the deeper I got into those at coursework, the less I liked teaching because my yearning to take the next step was so strong. And I remember when I became an associate principal first in a high school, I remember telling my family when we moved, you know, one of the 15 moves I referenced, that don't get too comfortable here because I'm going to be leading my own district soon. Fast forward five years, I became a superintendent. I just love what comes with the leadership position. Are there day-to-day -day issues that arise or points of contention, COVID being a prime example, that are not fun? Absolutely. But overall, the both job as an associate principal and principal and then as a, a superintendent were very rewarding. Loved it. Loved interaction with interacting with my coworkers. Loved the kids. It's a good environment to be in. It's a fun career to have. And it's challenging, I'm sure, trying to it is, shift. But a good challenging. Right. It's yeah. a good challenge. Was there something in that educational world, especially, I mean, you weren't just an educator, you moved into really managing that whole district. Was there something there 
that as you continued forward, you founded your first company. Tell us about the first company, but was there something in that where you're like, man, I can take this another level beyond district administrator where I want to teach us leadership in a different capacity? Yeah, oddly enough, or unfortunately enough, within the first two months of assuming my superintendent role, I had a close confidant and friend say something to me, along with a new colleague. They both said in separate conversations, some effective, all right, you just reached your career goal. Now what? Both my both times I was I encountered that, I thought, I just got here. I'm two months in. Can I at least do something prior to worrying about what the next step is? So Fast forward a couple of years and things were running smoothly. I was appreciating what I was doing. I was having a positive impact. Loved my coworkers, loved the school, loved the people around me. And I just felt like there was something else. So at the same time that was occurring, I was also expanding my reach as a superintendent and working collaboratively with my contemporaries regionally and around the state where I, I really saw joy in helping other leaders, whether it was problem solving, giving guidance, mentoring, coaching, all those different worlds, I really saw my passion started forming without me realizing it. I Looking back a couple of years later, so in about year five, I was really looking for something different. And along came the opportunity to go into private business with two of my colleagues. And we created a company called Dynamico. And basically, we work with employers of all sizes in private, nonprofit, and public entities to help them make connections with their employees via their compensation systems, which help them attract and retain great people. Plus, they save time and money while they're doing it. So it's not about breaking the market. It's not about being a dollar above the competitor. It's about making a true connection with your employees. And the feedback that we're getting from our clients has been transformational. We've been called disruptive. We've been called revolutionary. And it's really gratifying to hear the impact our clients are having on their organizations because basically through our process, inevitably you articulate the values inherent in the organization. You then in turn qualify and quantify them and put them in the compensation system. So everybody sees clearly what we're about and you've got employees making the daily mission and attempting to make the vision a reality. So it's everybody's aligned. You hire people, you attract people who fit you, you keep people who are doing great things. And it just really is very gratifying to see the impact our clients are having on our organization. So in the background of that service through Dynamico Incorporated, I had been also coaching and mentoring people as a secondary service. And in the last six months, I had a great leadership coach named, or excuse me, a business coach named Jillian Murphy out of Michigan, who really challenged me on my passion. And she saw the leadership passion. So she challenged me to create a new company. So in July of this year, one of my partners from Dynamico and I created a new company called Leading Like a Buffalo. And that is where my passion is. Through that company, I'm mentoring and coaching other leaders, giving guidance, leadership consulting, because I've got some clients who are great at what they do, but they're new to the leadership world. So they need more of a consulting lens versus, you know, they need some guidance on what to do, some things to think about versus a true coach where a coaching experience where they know enough to be part of the conversation. So it's a great situation. It's 
looking back now, that's what I've been yearning for eight years and desiring, and it didn't come to fruition until this year. So I've got two companies through which I'm able to help other leaders. And I've realized several years ago, my satisfaction in life comes when I help other leaders. And that's where work and play meet. And I love it. And at the end of the day, if I can help another leader, that's all I want to do. I love that aspect of it. But beyond that, I I know a lot of people say these things, right? A lot of people say, I want to help. I do this. I want to give back. Um, Obviously, with the military, all about service. Teaching is really all about service and better in our future generations, right? But a lot of people don't necessarily have the conviction to get something tattooed on them that is the representation of something like this. And, and this is, I want to highlight this because those listening can't see this, but as a knight, I have the armor tattooed on me. We bonded over this in our first conversation yep, right. over your shoulders, the photo of a Buffalo, but also on your arm is a Buffalo. And this is leading like a Buffalo, right? Correct. And there's a meaning behind this. And this is the leading Buffalo.com is the whole organization piece attached to it. But I want to know about the meaning behind the Buffalo. Why is it important? Why is it a leadership piece? Why is it tattooed on you? Give us the download on that piece. Well, first of all, being a Buffalo is a very simple concept. And when I've talked this to people, as a leader in a high school, I had the privilege of being in a lot of high school classrooms where I was able to teach kids. And a lot of the comments from kids, along with my colleagues over the years, was the impetus to create or write the book that I did because to, to many, I've got stories that resonate with people because I'll tell them, you know, be the buffalo. And this is an example of when I was first consciously doing this as an adult and I didn't have a name for it. So being the buffalo is, in essence, addressing things that are in front of you. It's not about relishing confrontation. It's not about charging full steam ahead like a bull, the proverbial bull in a china shop. It's about charging towards the storm. The American bison, also known as buffalo, on the Great Plains, they can see forever. If you've ever been on the Great Plains, you know what I'm talking about. You drive through Nebraska and the Rockies are about an inch tall on the horizon. Like four hours later, they're like an inch and a half tall. You can just see forever. So when the storm comes, the females, the cows turn tail and run. The males, the buffalo, charge it. That's not because they like the storm, but they get through it quicker. So the females run with it. It's over them longer. The males charge through it. It's past them in a relatively quicker amount of time. So there's the essence of it. When people, when I tell that to people, I say, all right, now picture a conversation you've had to have with a loved one, friend, co-worker, boss, subordinate, coach, manager, someone where it's a less than ideal conversation that you have to have. Most people, most of the time, dread the have more negative feelings about the dread leading up to the conversation than the actual conversation produces itself. So it's about getting rid of that dread, like get it behind you. And I'm not all about going off like, again, the bull in the China shop where something happens and you go address it because at times you need to learn about what occurred. I need points of view. I need to get all the facts. But when you have everything you need to address it, don't schedule it for a meeting next Tuesday morning. If it's two o'clock on a Friday afternoon, we're addressing it by close of business on Friday so we can put this behind us. So I've been accused of liking confrontation. Hate it. I like it behind me more than I like it in front of me. That's what being the buffalo is all about. It's on my arm. It says, be the buffalo. The name of our company is leading like a buffalo. 
And when I've talked to people in my network about the development of a company and the, the writing of my book, they've said, oh, you're, you're making a company's leadership coaching. That's great. You're branching off from Dynamico. What are you going to call it? I said, guess. It's going to be something about a buffalo. Yes, it is. So that's what I'm known for. It, it resonates with people just because people can, everyday people can grasp what I'm saying. You don't have to be a leader to understand what I just said, but you can employ that tactic to be a good leader. And how Zach employs it's going to be look different than how Dan does, but we can both subscribe to it. And that's the essence of what I help people understand. And I think all of this experience and everything you're doing, obviously, the student organizations are really about teaching, leading, and developing leaders, empowering a lower level, quote unquote, leaders like we did in the military. The goal is you right. you, you mentioned the critical thinking capabilities that we learned in the military intrinsically, and that's done by a good leader empowering lower level leaders to make decisions. And you start forming that type of critical thinking capabilities but I'm curious, you have this book, The Power of Me Leadership, and there are nine tenets that every leader needs to know. Give us a really quick, hit us with the nine tenets. Let's not dive too far into it because we're going to break it apart on Tactical Friday. But I want to highlight these nine tenets that have come from Leading Like a Buffalo. Right on. So when I wrote, initially wrote the book, I was hearing people say over the last 10, 15 years, you should write a book. So I only about a year and a half ago picked up the proverbial pen and started writing it with the understanding that I was writing it from my lens to show people the path of discovery I took and how I determined what was important to me and all the subconscious things that were driving all my actions. So it was not meant to be a leadership book. Everybody could pick up and follow, you know, the nine steps of leadership. And that's really not what it is. But what it turned into was these are nine generic tenants that everybody should embrace. And they're going to look drastically different from person to per person because that's the great thing about human beings. We're all different. And when we're all different, we all lead differently. Your values and strengths are different than mine. But getting back to be the buffalo, we can both embrace be the buffalo and it's just going to look differently. You're going to do it differently than I. So there's the concept. It was about self-discovery, sharing the path that I took to help others discover their own. But then I realized, wait a minute, these nine things, if everybody does them, who can argue with them, assuming you adhere to them? And that's the feedback back I received. I pushed the book out to trusted members of my network. And the feedback was, wow, I took stuff the next day to work and implemented the next day. I wish I would have known specifically, I wish I would have known about Be the Buffalo when I assumed my first leadership position, because had I known that, I would have approached things differently. So one of the people who looked at it took it to her boss in her organization of 12,000 and said, hey, these are some things that I learned in a book that I was reading last night. We should implement. They started implementing them at this organization of 12,000 people the next day. So they're not, I don't have any type of trademark or copyright on any of them because they're just common such things, but they're things that we've all encountered, but we don't probably consciously think about it. So if I put it on people's forefront and then put it in their conscious thought process to be the buffalo, they're going to start doing that. So I'll just briefly highlighting be the buffalo I already discussed. Lead like King Arthur, also tattoo. It's on my back. I've got Excalibur in the stone on my back. It's about 16, 18 inches tall. 
take care of your people. I mean, again, you don't have to be me to lead with that tenant. And how I do it is going to look drastically different than every other, however, other leader does it. But it's about being there for your people and taking care of your people. Be beyond reproach is another thing. I always get on my soapbox with people. And I say, all right, we have to act morally and ethically perfect everywhere we are. Because the second we step out of line over here and we do something that causes somebody to question our motives and we're not doing things morally and ethically proper, they'll see that. And then when we do something over here, they're going to question our motives, question our ethics, question our morals. And when they do that, we're wrong because we set them up to assume that we did something wrong. But if we always act with proper ethics and morals and people question us, which will happen, that's not our problem. They're looking for something that's not there and that's their problem. It's not our problem. So there's that's a powerful one for people. Actions speak louder than words. We've all heard that, but how many people actually practice it? How many people just give lip service to something and don't follow through? Don't even talk to me about it. Just go do it and then I'll see the proof is in the pudding. So actions speak louder than words. Again, your actions are going to be different than mine, but it's a leadership tenet we should all embrace. Here's a huge one that is really important. And I didn't understand the full magnitude of this until 2018, even though I tried to start understanding it in 1988. It took me 30 years. So recognize inequity and fix it. That is huge in today's society. And there's inequity everywhere. And what I learned in 2018 allowed me to understand a comment my close friend and colleague, Frank Ng, told me back in the 109th MP company in Frankfurt, Germany, back in 1988. We were talking about his neighborhood, the things he went through as a young black man growing up in Brooklyn, and how he got out. And I said, that's good you got out. And I said, why doesn't everybody just get out? He said, you don't understand. It's hard to get out. Not a busy six block radius neighborhood. He and one other guy had gotten out. I believed him that it was hard, but I didn't truly understand what that meant until 2018 when I understood the inequity that is inherent in our system and our society. So that's where that one came from. I'm always, I was always a proponent for equity, but I truly understood it started in 2018. Accountability sort of goes with the next one as well. Own it. Accountability and own it sort of go together. Like accountability, if you're in an organization, you've got people typically above you, below you, beside you, you've got clients, you've got to be accountable to them, they're accountable to you. You own your words, your actions, your team's words, all take responsibility for your part of the world. And accountability is huge because when you don't hold people accountable or you aren't accountable to others, people see that and it ruins your credibility. And finally, gut leadership. We talked about that a little bit in regard to transferring skills into the boardroom. We've all got innate skills and we've got that intuition. Some people call it the spirituality, easy word for me to say, but however you look at it, but there's something in your guts telling you to take the right path or a path over another one. Trust your gut. That one came from me coaching my now partner, as he was coaching me, I was coaching him looking back. I didn't realize that at the time, but looking back, I now realize that we are coaching each other in this relationship for a couple of years. And he got me to realize, or I got him to realize gut leadership. He got me to realize my passion for leadership. So he always has a great tendency. His name's Mike Joyke. He's got a great tendency to say, hey, here's my quandary. Here's what I think I ought to do. Let's talk about it versus here's my problem, what should I do? So after about a year of him presenting issues to me, I finally said, Mike, 
we've done this pretty much weekly for a year. Have Has your first gut reaction ever been wrong? Well, no, it hasn't. It's time to start trusting your gut. Now, that's not something you can do overnight, but your experiences build on themselves. And if you start looking for patterns, you'll understand what that gut leadership is telling you and start trusting your gut. So there's the essence of the book. I've got stories about each of those. The King Arthur one is a favorite of mine as well. That's why it's Excalibur's tattooed on my back, but I love them all. And it's who I am. And I didn't know that until Mike started challenging me back in 2010 to understand who I was. And over in the subsequent eight or 10 year journey, I discovered those things were in the background dictating my every move. And it's a huge piece of obviously what you've encapsulated into the book, but obviously like your works, right? Like it's not just here's the book, but it's that follow on piece of it that you're really focused on. And you're putting a ton into not just leaders, but developing leaders, the future of the guy. I mean, that's where I have a, a soft spot for teachers because you're really leading or should be leading as a good educator the future of the country. And you're teaching that. And I, I love that you're bringing that mindset into what you did in the education world. And I'm curious, Dan, as you're doing all these things and you're putting yourself out there more, which for a lot of veterans is a terrifying idea behind the uniform, what's the legacy you're wanting to leave on the world as you put all these amazing things out there? I had a great experience when I was a high school principal. We were in a strategic planning session with a board and there was an outside facilitator and it it was probably 12 years ago. And the facilitator was doing a great job doing icebreakers and asking questions. And then her question was, what's your legacy? Dan, you're first. I'm like, ah, I don't know. So I literally, it caught me off guard. I didn't have any type of preparation to think about it, but my gut reaction, I blurted it out and I stick to that this day. It's the impact of those I encounter, whether they're clients or somebody calls me, emails me, we're on a call, somebody I've helped, when I see them positively impacting others, their organization, those they lead, that is my legacy. It's not, oh, he was the greatest, or he's got the best-selling book, or he was a great keynote. No. If you can learn something from my book or learn something from my coaching or mentoring that you go back and affect positive change in your organization, that is my legacy. Nobody has to know who I am ever. Go out and do your thing. And and when I encounter clients who are out there killing it and making huge impacts, that's what makes me sleep good at night. That they are doing great things and it's stuff that I they learned with me or they grabbed our software for our, their compensation systems and they totally turned around their organization because of it. That's my legacy, helping others. And that's huge. You're obviously well on the way of doing that, helping, serving, putting some amazing things forward in the world. And I want to give the audience an opportunity before we break away today. Um, obviously, we're going to have Tactical Friday. We're going to break apart all the leadership tenets that you talked about today. And we're going to get more tactical about that. But give the audience an opportunity. What's the best place for them to find you, see more about you, find the book, give us all the links and everything that we can do to connect with you. All right. My book is on Amazon. It's The Power of Me Leadership. You can search under my name, Daniel S. Kopp. You'll find it there. You can email me at dan at leadingbuffalo.com or jump on the web at leadingbuffalo.com. Also, I've got a pretty consistent presence on LinkedIn that it's attached to my initial company, which was Dynamico. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Dan Kopp Dynamico. 
I do a lot of leadership content and some compensation content that sort of bleeds over into diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, attracting and retaining, general leadership tactics to help retain people, those types of things. So any of those ways, again, it was Dan at leadingbuffalo.com or jump on the web at leadingbuffalo.com and you can connect with me there. I love it. Dan, I appreciate you. I appreciate the knowledge you brought to us and thank you so much for your time today, my friend. Right on. I appreciate you too. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.